podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome to the five-year plan podcast. Um, we would normally call this the pod extra, but because JD isn't feeling very well, uh, get well soon, JD, we've actually decided that this pod extra is going to go out on the regular feed. So everybody's going to have an opportunity to listen to this. Um, JD's asked that we mention a few things. Firstly, he wants to apologize that he's not doing the regular podcast because uh, he's unwell. Um, he wasn't feeling very well yesterday, so hopefully he feels better soon. Uh, he does say that there will be a Pardew's Hot Pants episode released on Wednesday for patrons and then on Thursday on the public feed. Uh, there's also going to be a patron quiz uh, this Sunday on the 26th uh, details are on the patron page so if you're a patron you can join the quiz then uh, and a final announcement is that there are 37 tickets left for the live podcast on the, November the 11th at Stretch and Space Project on General Sound Now at eventbrite.co.uk I am here with Dom Fifield of The Athletic Hi, are how you, you okay? Dom? Yeah, I'm good, good thanks. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Uh, and Adam Sells uh, how are you doing Adam? I'm very well thank you sir Good to hear. Um, so we're going to, yeah, I mean, if you if you haven't listened to a pod extra for a while, uh, this is what we do. We talk talk about the match. Typically, it's after the game. So I need to quickly apologise to patrons about that as well. Logistics. Get ready for your BBS review. Bro. Oh, Get goodness. It's <laughs> yeah. one long apology, this, isn't it? It is just <laughs> one long apology, yeah. Um, we, are, we are sorry. We were going to, to record the, the podcast after the game yesterday, but logistics and, and schedules just got in the way and we weren't able to do that. So we're going to do that now and as a result we have dom on the pod so that's a benefit isn't it um i don't know about that (laughs) controversial (laughs) let's let's talk about the game um adam what were your thoughts from the match as a whole i wasn't too displeased really i thought we were unfortunate to end up with such a heavy scoreline but probably not dissimilar to the week before when it went our way in the in the other sense with Tottenham, you know, it's um, I thought a lot of our fans were a bit giddy after that with a good display and then a, a few bits running for us. And yesterday, I thought we turned in a pretty decent display and didn't have too much run for us, quite honestly. Um, I think um, you know from from playing out, it was the most comfortable we've been in any of the games this season. Nearly in every game, we've had a 
a sort of edgy first 20 minutes on every occasion where we've looked pretty uncomfortable, but perhaps buoyed by the, the win over Tottenham and confidence being high, we looked more comfortable and didn't get into too much trouble, you know, sort of overplaying or being careless in that respect, I thought. And I thought, you know, with a bit of luck, we could have uh, easily gone in front. There were a lot of decisions. Uh, I'm sure you'll talk about some of those and things that, you know, didn't go for us. But ultimately, what was really disappointing is that we've ended up being undone by three corners, essentially, three set plays. When you've worked so hard to restrict Liverpool in open play, to lose those goals um, in that sense, I think, was was pretty disappointing. You know, Gyro culpable on two of them after he came on. And, you know, I thought Gyro, well, that was Gyro in a nutshell. He did some positive things after he came on and his ability on the ball. But as we've seen, he's lacked a, a little bit of intensity and a desire at times to defend in different moments over the last couple of seasons where I've thought he's not thrown his body on the line or not had that that edge to him that that's required to take responsibility. And um, ultimately, that cost us. I thought it was a bit of an odd substitution, to be honest, you know, in terms of changing James MacArthur for a defensive-minded midfield player. But I, I, you know, we were still very, very much in the game and, you know, and certainly had plenty of chances right up until... Um, the third goal, essentially, to to get something from the game. And, you know, Edouard obviously had his two where the first one, his first touch wasn't good enough and it cost him dearly. And the second one, I thought the defender from where I was sitting sort of had hold of him a little bit. So I think it was quite, um, quite difficult. But, you know, perhaps should have put both of those away, quite honestly. Um and it might have it might have changed the picture a little bit, but I have to say I didn't come away on the journey home last night feeling terribly disappointed, a little bit unfortunate, some iffy refereeing. And I was trying to understand the statisticians and how they work with the games because according to the stats, we only had two shots on target yesterday. Now, I can remember... Alisson pushing that one onto the post in the first couple of minutes after from Wilfred over his head. Um, there was the one from Wardy just before half-time that sort of went down his throat a little bit in the middle of the goal. And then he made two saves from Edward in the second half when he was on the goal. So I can't be sure how that ended up with only two efforts on target. But... Um, you know, the, the perhaps the, whoever was doing the stats had a similar afternoon to uh, Andy Medley or whatever his name was, because I don't think he called everything right either. To be fair, Don, what were your thoughts on on what you saw from the game? Well, that it was better than we'd mustered at Chelsea, which is a sign of of progress. It was a it was more forward thinking. It was more aggressive. We did create chances. I think we caught them a bit under, unawares with those um, initial two shots against the the post or two efforts that ended up going onto the post. Um, I think 
yeah, it, it hinged probably on it on Edward's um, first first efforts uh, where the touch was poor, as Selzy says, and and if that had gone in and they'd equalised, then um, it might have been very very different. But I can't be too disheartened. I mean, it's 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 Liverpool away. Liverpool have, uh, are are playing very very well. Their their front three are a, a massive massive threat. Whichever selection they use, and 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 they took their chances very very well indeed. They can swarm all over opponents. We know that. And uh, for, for periods of that game, they did. But we weathered it pretty well. And it's the disappointment. And I'm and I'm glad that Vieira was the Vieira wasn't sort of painting it all positive after the match. I mean, he was saying that we shouldn't be conceding set piece goals like that. I mean, that's the, that's the least uh, we should, I mean, Liverpool can, can hurt you enough from open play. We don't want to be being weak and, and, and so careless at set, set plays, but yeah, they were well worked and Salah's runs for the, for the first and second were, were clever, but, but really Jimmy Mack for the first one and, and Jairo for the second one should be dealing with them, um, should be getting goal side and, and, and stopping them having the attempts and with with the third, I'm sorry, we've been here so many times before. Jairo does not; he just turns his back whenever there's a shot at him from outside the area. He he, and he was he didn't even turn his back in line yesterday. He turned his back. He was he was completely reading that you know in cricketing parlance. He was down, playing down the wrong line. I mean, it was it was bizarre, but you know, great finish, and obviously that'll have everybody salivating who isn't Crystal Palace inclined, but. You can't be too disheartened. We 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 competed well. The very fact that Klopp came out post match and said that it was a the hardest fought three 0 victory he'd ever experienced as a coach. I, I don't think that was just empty platitudes for for Palace. I think it, it reflected the shift that we put in. It was a really solid performance, which is, I think that that was the the most disappointing thing about what we witnessed is that we did all the hard work and all, you know, for, for such a long time set piece defending from set pieces tended to be something that we were really good at. Um, but it, it, it's almost, it was the rebounds that were the biggest issue. It was what happened after this, you know, it was the second ball that basically was the problem for palace. Um, and, and as we said, the, the, uh, James MacArthur switching off as he did for the first goal. You could see as soon as he saw Mane get the ball, yeah. he, he he had his hands on his head because he knew he'd made the mistake. With Gyro, you could see as soon as he let Salah run, you could see he could, he, his reaction was, oh, like... Sh- shit I've I've put us in I've put it put us in it there it's frustrating as well because I think if you look at it from Vieira's perspective the reason why he brought brought Gyro on is to me I, I don't think he looks at Gyro as a defensive midfielder now I think he looks at him as potentially someone that could do MacArthur's role but you need him to be focused and you need him to do, you know, it's all well and good being full of energy in, in the center of the park and, and being the player that can move the ball from um, defensive positions into kind of attacking positions, which he did. And I felt, I felt like when he was brought on that energy that he brought in terms of going forward was better, but it's, the defensive frailty that he brings into the side, that inability to stay focused, that inability to to track his man and to actually, you know, it wasn't like Salah did anything incredibly intelligent to lose his marker. He just ran away from him. 
And that that is basic stuff. And so I'm sure for Vieira that would have been incredibly frustrating. It was um it was interesting watching Match of the Day, uh, because Match of the Day highlighted what a great game James Milner had. But to people that were there, I don't think he did. I thought Wilfred Zaha had a Zaha had a really good performance, didn't you, Adam? Funnily enough, one of my mates said to me last night they didn't think Wilf was very good. I didn't <laughs> think he had a bad day. I thought he was decent and I think Milner might have been lucky to stay on the field, quite honestly. I mm. think he and Henderson, both there were cases for a couple of yellow cards on each, you know, during the game. I mean, Liverpool were, were quite ruthless with their uh, tactical fouls and went out of possession and all that sort of stuff, as were reflected in the in the stats. But I didn't I, I wasn't disappointed in in too much, really, in the sense that as Dom said, he used a word that I used yesterday. We're now competitive. We now look for the first time in a several seasons. We're going into the games and you're turning up, no matter who the opponent is, thinking we've got a chance here. We can give everybody a game. You know, and that's, I think, what what we should expect and, and what it should be after nine years of Premier League football. You know, I got a bit of stick for my comments on the first day of the season, but I, I meant every word of them, you know, and I still do. You know, we weren't competitive at Chelsea with four players on the bench that have never played a game in senior English football. You know, the season doesn't start in October. It starts in 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 August, and we should be better prepared in that sense. So the first couple of games were disappointed with the lack of options that we had. But yesterday, you can bring Edouard and Elise on and you had Luca and Gyro and Will Hughes and so on as options to come from the bench. I think, you know, we are now properly competitive and it's the best squad of players that we've had to draw on for quite some time. Well, certainly in in recent seasons, you know, and and, you know, we should hopefully look forward to to sort of better things, but I don't know what's realistically achievable with this group currently and where we might get to, but, you know, we've finished the the last, well, the last four seasons, we've been sort of 11 to 14th with a, a minus 10 million pound investment. And even though we've spent well by Crystal Palace standards this summer, it's not huge sums of money in Premier League terms, you know, um, I think Liverpool fielded two players yesterday that cost more than that entire haul this summer individually and the goalkeeper and the centre-back. So it gives you an idea of what you're competing against and how difficult it is. But I think, you know, Vieira, Patrick Vieira so far, I think the thing that's most impressed me is he's not been duped by anybody or anything. You know, I think he's seen you know, the same things that that have been seen previously and there's no one that sort of suddenly sort of had a new lease of life in the sense that they've tipped everything upside down and he might be seeing something that he shouldn't or we're seeing something that wasn't seen previously by Roy and Ray. I think he's pretty much got things right. I mean... I think Roy might have got a bit of stick for MacArthur and Gyro yesterday, and he's still been the manager. But but the uh, 
But in general, I think he's done pretty well. But again, his perspective, isn't it? Next Monday's game is actually quite definitive in the in that first sample of six games before the next international break because uh, so we've got Leicester as well we before so seven games it'll be before the next one but but if after three games we've won two drawn two and lost two it doesn't look too bad really given the tough run of fixtures we've had and we're a work in progress and you know we you know mid table is probably what we we can expect perhaps we should go a little better than than the last few years with the money that's been spent and the improvement in the playing squad but i don't think that's going to be so so easy to do because obviously everyone else is improving and competing but competing is is the big thing and we now look very competitive and we now look like we're able to give the big boys a game, even in their own backyard, which is, you know, some progression on the basis that that you know we've we've trod water for a number of years, really, with little investment in the squad, and and now we're seeing the benefit of signing young players with real talent and a future. You know, Elise for his few minutes yesterday when he came on showed us some nice touches and it's clearly got quality. He's not got the biggest frame, so we'll see how that works in Premier League football. But he looks a big talent, at least, you know, for sure. He, he, saw his, he put James Miller, Milner on his backside yeah. a couple of times, didn't he? Well, was a brilliant moment. I watched the highlights of the 23s game at Leicester and obviously the level is much lower and he was on for an hour. Well, I think he got something like five assists or something, but just the way he handled the ball and his feel for the ball made you think this fella's a player, you know, he can play. So providing he can physically stand up to the Premier League and we know that, and I've said this to you before, it's an unspoken rule really that the Premier League is generally the land of the giants. You know, everyone is a is a monster and it's never sort of said or written, but there aren't many very small physical players. I mean, he's not small in this in the, in that sense, but he's 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 very lean, let's say. And so, uh, I hope he's going to have that sort of wiry strength that Wilfred displays in that frame, you know, and uh, is able to influence the outcome. And I think now we've been beaten at um, at Liverpool yesterday. I sense that perhaps it'll be easier for for uh, um, Patrick Vieira to squeeze him into his next first selection at the expense of Jordan Ayew, I would imagine, who, again, had some moments yesterday, but again, his decision-making at times let him down, I think. Yeah, Dom, he, uh, Jordan Ayew has kind of been getting a little bit of stick on social media from from fans. He he put a lot of work in, like, and and it was interesting defensively. I think he actually did a did an important job for Palace. He 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 he's very very difficult at at kind of getting past. He he makes a, a real um, opponent for Liverpool players to kind of play against. But when it came to those attacking moments, he didn't really have the the decision making that that was needed, did he? What were your thoughts on him? No, I mean, but but we know that 
from Jordan. I mean, we know that he'll he'll carry the ball and and do these dribbles that are probably two touches too long on the ball. He'll he'll just stay that that marginally t- too long and, and end up running him down a, a blind alley and and either end up winning a free kick, which he does do as well. In fairness, or or surrendering possession. He, I just think you, ex- you accept that that's that's what you're going to get from him. You know, he's not going to change his, the way he plays at this stage of his career. Um, so, you know, exactly what you'll get. And I think actually when you're playing Liverpool away, it, it's probably fair enough. You do probably want a, a sort of worker on one side of your, of your team. Um, if, if, if Wilf is going to be slightly more free spirited and, 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 Yesterday, I, I, I mean, Tyre Mitchell, Mitchell got an awful lot of praise for his performance at Anfield, but there were times where Tyre was left exposed because Wolf didn't help him. I mean, he just didn't help him. So I think on the other side of the pitch, um, Joel benefits a lot from from the, the, the input that, that, that Jordan puts in down that, that flank. And um, you just have that, and you probably need that for Liverpool away. But I think there are. I think Celsi's right. This is an opportunity now for for Vieira um, to address a, a home game against a team who will be ultimately around us in the table somewhere um, in, in the places immediately around us. Come the end of the season, okay, they've had a good start, Brighton, but but um, they are. There's an opportunity there, so you might well see Belize start the game. He might also well see Edouard start the game because. I just get the sense from some of Vieira's post-match comments that, that for all the, the hard work that Benteke puts in, he he just doesn't carry the same goal threat that um, Edouard does. The thing as well with, with Edouard, the, the difference that I saw yesterday with, between him and Benteke is Edouard's movement yeah. is better. Off the ball, it's better. He finds pockets of space he finds that he makes those kind of slightly diagonal runs off a defender's shoulder and it's not that he's and he doesn't seem to be caught on his heels as much as Benteke does Benteke is very very good at being a defensive forward in that he he's good in in our own penalty area there were a couple of times where he made really good clearances better than Edouard by the way with that slice clearance Edouard oh, yeah. for the for the corner the ultimate they scored from I don't think heading is one of Edouard's strengths but <laughs> it's going to be I, I think they're just so different as players they're completely yeah, different they players are. aren't they yeah. but I, I feel know, like I feel like Benteke has the thing that we we don't see very often with Christian is his ability with his feet his, his the ability to shoot with his feet the ability to make runs and to kind of to look for the opportunities to shoot whereas with Edouard on both occasions where he actually where the ball came into him his intention was to shoot he, he hmm. shaped to shoot the first time it was it was a poor touch really you wish he'd have just tried to take it first time but he didn't but the second one you could argue that he could have probably he had a shout for a penalty because he was being manhandled and he still managed to get a shot off that, that the goalkeeper had to save. So it is just going to be really interesting. I think that if you combine Elise's vision, which there were moments, I mean, he came on for for 15 minutes, had about three or four touches, but the times that he actually got the ball, there was a, a great little pass that he tried to put into Wilf and Wilf was just off his on his heels a little bit. Um, and then that moment where he put, where he put uh, Milner on his backside it was brilliant, and but you can see if you have that combination with Edouard's movement and that ability to try and find space in the area and find those moments, those all it takes is that little split second, one touch, bang, 
you know, as he did against Tottenham, for example, to really make that work. Do you think that that is going to be what we're going to see from Vieira, that we're going to see those changes? Uh, to me, I would hope so. Adam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, Dom's comments about you. I had, I took my friend's 15-year-old son yesterday to the game and obviously he, like most Palace fans, wants to see Michael Elise play Michael Elise and I kind of get it. And I said, well, I do too, but... I've also got to say to you, on an occasion like this, we're probably going to have to defend, you know, we're going to need our wide players, 4-5-1 out of possession and really to help us massively. And that will be an important part of, of, of the game. And I think that would have also played a part in the manager's selection. I think, um, I think he, you know, as you say, if we, if we have more movement and more threat, I think the disappointment in Jordan Ayew for me, and well, I don't think that's fair actually to say it's a disappointment because I've already said to you before a couple of times that Jordan Ayew cost two bob really in uh, in Premier League terms, you know, and we've had what is this? Is this his third or fourth season? His fourth fourth season now, fourth, yeah, yeah, fourth yeah. season. So for a bloke that cost a million or two million quid, I think we've pretty much had very good value out of him and he is a capable Premier League player. He's probably reached a point where he's not going to be an automatic choice and I still think probably he's better centrally and I wouldn't be too worried if we move um, Mateta on in January and he becomes the third striker option, if you like, and we've brought another wide player into the picture particularly with that African nation situation that may occur that we talked about previously, where we may be short of uh, Jordan, Wilf and uh, uh, we'll check. And who was uh, Jeffrey Schlupp was the other one. So three of your wide options might disappear, mightn't they? So, um, but, you know, with Eze to come back as well, it looks like we're, we're going to have a good balance of flair We've got people that could carry the ball. Well, the squad isn't bad. Like I said to you, I've said to you before, I wanted one or two more players in, but I think we have at least got um, got uh, got options, and we 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 now got to find the right recipe, if you like. Um, I just think that um, perhaps. You know, for me in the next game, I'd be tempted to to use Luca as my sort of uh, deep line midfield player, and then you know my, uh, MacArthur and um, and uh, Gallagher, Gallagher with yeah. with uh, Elise, Edward, and and Wilfred probably as the front three. I see a lot of people suggesting that Will Hughes will play as the sort of deep line midfield player, but from what I was sort of told and what I picked up is that he was seen as more of a MacArthur type um, midfield player and I don't know whether physically Will Hughes would be able to play in front of the back four in that sense. He'd be very capable in sitting there and playing for us but I don't know whether defensively we'd lose something without a Luca or a check to uh, to protect us in that way. And Jeffrey Schlapp, I think, is training properly on Monday again. So I'm guessing that he'll be uh, in contention for a place on the bench at least for the 
for the Brighton game. So we might only touch would be at this point Eze and Ferguson short. So mm. it gives us a, a a couple. You know, we can leave two established players, if you like, out of a plus the plus Remy, the goalkeeper, out of the equation on on Monday. So we'll be going into it with a. a a, a decent choice, whatever happens, and be interested to see how it plays out next. But I think I think the 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 Edward Benteke comparisons are not quite fair in the sense that they both do different things. Really, as you said, you know, Benteke physically, aerially is 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 better in that sense. Edward is better on the floor and he's going to go in behind people and all that sort of stuff. I think it's just going to be a case of horses for courses. And, you know, there may be some occasions when we're chasing a game where you might see the pair of them together with, you know, Wilfred and one of the wide players, you know, for the last 15 or 20 minutes if required. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think, as I said earlier, we can be, too down or disappointed on anybody too much. I think yesterday was just the, you know, the painful nature of the goals that we conceded when we'd done so much to repel them in open play and we were a good threat. One player that we really should give some credence to, Dom, you mentioned him earlier, Tyrick Mitchell had a really good game against uh, Mo Salah for, for a lot of the game. He wasn't responsible for the goals that were conceded. He he actually did a really good job at left back, especially with the the lack of cover on that flank. What were your thoughts on his performance? Yeah, I think he's I think he's growing. There there, there will be a, occasional positioning issues as he as he learns. I think he's only played thirty first team games mm-hmm. in his in his career, so it's it's still very early days. Um, I was. I went back over the incident where um, Thiago has the header, which is very well saved, and then Yota somehow puts a rebound over the bar. And that came from his side. And initially, I thought it must have been his positioning that was a, a problem. But I think they just overloaded. He was he was almost caught slightly upfield. And it was a, the pace at which Liverpool moved the ball and which Jordan Henderson occupied the space behind him. And it really required a midfield runner trying to, to, to track Henderson rather than relying upon on Mitchell to do that. So, you know, it's, there will be the odd error, but I, I think generally speaking, the last few performances have been excellent from, from Mitchell. And we, we know the club took a bit of a gamble at, at left back in terms of, recruitment they lost Patrick Van Arna who actually probably would have suited the system quite quite well the way that Vieira wants to play but he, he's gone he's no history um but we're, we are we are light at left back and the encouraging thing is when Mitchell plays it doesn't feel as if we're light at left back it doesn't feel as if we've got a a kid who's he's learning his his trade in there he's he's got he's got a sort of a maturity about him which is refreshing and reassuring. So, uh, you know, it's brilliant. He's grown into it. I think that if there were any pangs of concern in the first few weeks, I think that they're, they're relieved a bit now. Um, he, he's found some rhythm, some energy, and um, he, he seems to be fitting the shape really well. It all kind of kicked into gear for him after that second half at West Ham, where he, mm, where he almost, he he almost realised that he, you know, it was almost like he was told, you need to support 
the attacking team more, but we're ca- you're very capable of doing that. You've got enough pace to cover, so do it. And he did. Um, what were your thoughts, Adam, on on, on how well Tyrek has kind of adapted? Yeah, I think Dom gave a pretty fair summary of where I am. I'm. I thought the first couple of games he looked a bit uncomfortable in possession, and I was a little bit worried about. Uh, you know, thinking he would play the majority of the games of the season and whether he'd be good enough. But as you say, the second half at West Ham, he got forward very well. He did against Tottenham after the sending off, particularly last week. And there were a lot of 2v1 situations with Wilf and that, that helped Wilfred down that side. And yesterday, I thought he really did very, very well. And, um, you know, he seems to be getting better and better. And that's, you know, again... He's probably, if 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 there was a player that was sort of epitomising the season after five games or whatever we've played, he would be him, you know, a little bit clunky and a bit iffy to start with. But as the games have worn on, looking more comfortable and starting to affect things a little bit more. And I think that's that's kind of where we are as a team. But obviously, again, it's very easy to talk about individuals and different things. And Dom touched on it a bit there when he said, you know, if you've got Jordan Ayew in front of you, you're probably better protected than if you've got Wilfred in front of you, for example, which is, which is right. You know, and I, 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 yeah, I think often players and combinations are in, you know, improved players, you know, if they've got the right balance in the side and, you know, we've talked about the front line. If you've got Elise that's able to go by people and cause problems and Eze as well as Wilfred, then all of them become more effective because it's very difficult for the opponent to deal with all three in a way that they can deal with one. Do you know what I mean? You know, you, you know when you've been playing Crystal Palace typically, and I remember picking this up, from the Huddersfield game, funnily enough, where we got beat under Frank De Boer on the first day of the season, I, I learnt through somebody there that their view was to was to force Palace to play down Wilfred's side effectively, and so that 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 when they got him the ball, they knew that they could overload that side and get enough bodies around him to to make him less effective knowing there wasn't the same threat anywhere else on the pitch. And so, you know, better players, you know, enable you to to give your opponent further problems as well as, you know, more room for those players. So it's, you know, I think the recruitment we've done is good and we're seeing the benefit of that, you know, now. And we're seeing that, that, you know, we are we are a competitive Premier League team. You don't, you know, even on our best day, if we've got everybody fit and everybody's firing, it's still hard to go and beat Liverpool in their own backyard. You know, you've got a huge crowd. I was going to say full of a stadium full of noisy scousers, but more probably Norwegians and South Koreans, quite <laughs> honestly. But the, um, but the, the, the point uh, London, Londoners, it, Adam. And Londoners there were a lot well, of Londoners, yeah. Hence, yeah. Why, hence why I couldn't get the direct train to yeah, exactly. uh, Lime Street. But, but yes, it's always going to be difficult, even in the first instance. And 
I think we, you know, we have to say that that you don't expect that given our resources versus, you know, the big six. But as I said earlier, what I'm really pleased about now is that you don't fear playing those games and you're going into the games with genuine quality and threat that, as we saw last week against Tottenham, when you have that that recipe and that pot and you throw in a few injuries on Tottenham's team sheet and Eric Dyer going off and ascending off and a handball and a good performance from us and Edward coming on and having a couple of big touches, suddenly you end up with a 3-0 victory against a very good team, you know. And likewise yesterday, the cards didn't fall the right way for us with a few decisions and a few moments and things like that. And it's fine margins all the time. And I think we have to just be realistic all the time and, 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 and accept that as Dom said, the team, we, the way we approached the game yesterday against Liverpool and the team we put on the pitch and the players we had to bring on to affect the game. I have a much different feeling to the, first day of the season at Chelsea when we lost 3-0 to a, a, a top six team, but we weren't competitive and we looked very uncomfortable. One person that you would have wanted to influence the game more but didn't was referee Andy Madley. He had a bit of a odd performance, didn't he? There were a couple of, as you said, I think earlier, there were, there were at least two or three yellow card incidents that weren't punished for Liverpool. Um, you would have very likely have seen James Milner get sent off again against Wilfred Zaha, and he should have been. Um, and then there was the Benteke penalty incident as well, which is, even on multiple replay reviewings, is just maddening. It doesn't make any sense. What were your thoughts on on the referee's performance, Dom? Man- <laughs> Madley's maddening refereeing. Um, well, it was Liverpool away that Anfield with supporters. <laughs> I mean, do we expect anything differently, really? Uh, I, the one that got me was the Thiago challenge early on that stopped a counter-attack. I think it was on Jordan Ayew. Yeah. Um, that was a cautionable offence. It, it was, and it was bizarre that it wasn't. But then... <laughs> there there well, were two I'll, or three of those, though. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. it, you know, it's, it, I think Jordan Henderson was guilty of it. I think that um, Jota had been guilty of it at one point. That it, it was intentional as well. Yeah. Know, there was an intentional attempt to prevent Palace from making those counter-attacking yeah. moves. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and and but there'll be plenty of times this season where James MacArthur does that, or That's Conor true. Gallagher. Conor Gallagher gets good booked every week at the moment, pretty much. Um, and so. <laughs> You know, it, it, yes, frustrating, and there's a lack of logic to it. And I say that as a as a manager of an under-13s team whose son was penalised for a shirt pull in the first minute of a game at a corner today, in a in a in a game on a full-size pitch where you you know you're going to get twenty goals probably anyway, and they're penalising for shirt pulls in the box, which, quite frankly, I almost lost my rag more about that than I did about Thiago. Dom Warnock anyway, right here. <laughs> oh my word! Oh my yeah. word! I need to chill. I need to chill out. Warnock Any- was in fine form yesterday. <laughs> by the way, yeah, he was. He looked uh, he looked very agitated. Two Blackpool's goal. The first first goal came from a free kick where uh, 
the fellas won the ball very clearly. Warnock was apoplectic with rage. You know, he was so angry that his head just automatically yeah. tilted to one side as he was trying to talk to the referee. Um, was that you, Dom, today? Yeah. I, I was very, very calm and I, and I just asked for an explanation and uh, was given an explanation which... I, I can't remember who it was, by the way. Who was it that did Joel Ward very high up near the end of the game yesterday? And he got booked for his protestation and dissent afterwards. But he got caught around, like, it looked to me, around the hip with somebody's studs. And I can't remember who it was, but I thought, God, that's a heavy challenge. He didn't get the free kick. And when he sort of complained... He ended up getting a booking for dissent, and I thought it sort of summed up the referee's afternoon. He, he had a Joel Ward, looking Joel Ward for dissent. Yeah. <laughs> of all people, you, you've done well to get dissent out of Joel Ward. Yeah, right? apparently yeah. he called him a bell end, which uh, I mean, probably fully justified. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, uh, but the thing that the, we should talk about the VAR incident because that that is what VAR is there for. That incident where Benteke was very clearly tripped up as he made a run, even if he's nowhere near the ball at that stage, that's still something that VA, you would expect VAR to pick up, isn't it, Adam? I might be able to give you a, inadvertently a, a little bit of a insight here that I didn't realise myself after hearing it, but there seemed to be some suggestion afterwards that Wilfred was offside in the build-up to delivering the ball uh, right. for uh, for uh, Benteke, and that's why it wasn't given. But I don't, I don't know that. I can't give you clarity guess... on that as a hundred percent correct. It was just, it was just something I picked up in conversation yesterday. Um, but uh, that may well be why it wasn't given, because to me. Uh, I think it was the left back, the Greek fellow at left back that sort of stepped across him. Yeah. And he you could tell he deliberately stepped across him to 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 uh and tripped him. So I think um you know for the referee not to give that if that wasn't the case and VAR you you'd say it was it was awful, but I've watched it back and it looks marginal but there may be an offside in the run-up to it so we, we have to bear in mind be. that things have things have changed on that we're not we, we can't have it both ways we spent a yeah. lot of the last two years complaining about how the game is so stop and start because all these decisions are being reviewed and we're seeing them on the big screen these are being reviewed they are being watched we're just not hearing about them in the same way now so if there was an offside and the, and the play continued or it was deemed that they'd gone out of play then and then we can continue with a goal kick or whatever it will have been checked it will have been looked at i think we just have we we have to sort of almost take a take a step back sometimes from the outrage and i appreciate i didn't show that today on the under 13s pitch in epsom but you have to do that sometimes and just realize that that in a bid to get this game flowing in a way that is more acceptable after what we were complaining about last year, this may happen. Yeah, that is a very fair. That is a very fair point, and we. I, I have spend... to say at this point, Dom, and I'll put my cards on the table. I didn't complain about VAR once. I quite like it, to be <laughs> honest, and I just want the right decision. If it takes a minute or two, I don't want to go all the way to Liverpool and see my team beaten because of a poor VAR decision or because it was done quickly. I, I'm I'm all for the video referee being in the referee's ear. So even if he gets a throw in or corner wrong, that they say, you got that wrong, give it back the other way very quickly without having to have a 10-minute, you know, a 10-minute 
break in the uh, in proceedings. And it, it may well be from what you've said that they did look at, look at that, realised that Wilf was was offside, mm. and then determined it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a penalty in the in that case. Yeah, there are be. there are ways of doing be. that. I mean, we, as a media organisation, we have been told that if there is a controversial moment in a game where a VIO is involved, and it and the explanation hasn't been given on the television as to why a decision has been made, we email the Premier League, and they come back to us within 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, with an explanation. Now, if that had been a live game, um, or, you know, if it had been one of the Sky games on the 2 o'clock or the 4 o'clock, whatever, on a Sunday, I expect that would have happened, and we would have had an explanation from the Premier League as to why that wasn't, why the VAR didn't step in and award the penalty. Right. right. Okay, that's fair. Well... Maybe you get on that email then, Don, and tell us what the outcome was, please. Yeah, let's find I, out. I'd like also, some clarification because I'm not trusting Andy Badley after his performance yesterday, <laughs> that's for sure. When when you email the FA about your son's yellow card, uh, can you also let us know what the response to that one is? Um, we're going to take... find that as well, I think, <laughs> yeah. Rob. I think it is. A bit, a bit of kid. extra overtime that's his... Athletic this week to that's cover that kid. That's his pocket money done for a month. Um, right, on that <laughs> note, we are going to go into a break. Join us in part two where we have questions. And I think we're going to do a preview of the Brighton game in part three as well. So uh, look forward to those two parts coming up. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. back to part two of the five-year plan podcast i nearly called it the pod extra there um we have a whole bunch of questions from patrons um and they cover a varying degree of topics so yeah uh, let's get started uh pete uh ms asks with the qualities of both Eze and elise clearly com- uh, comparable carrying the ball past opponents can the panel see a situation where both will start when fit with zaha as well is that too much creativity and not enough clout what are your thoughts adam uh, yeah, I can see them all playing together, to be honest, because my initial feeling when Elise came in is that we would probably use Eze on the left side of midfield. Perhaps he and Gallagher, for instance, may be the two attacking midfield players with Elise, Edward or uh, Benteke and Wilfred perhaps making up the front three. You know, that's 
as you say, that's something I'm intrigued, and we've talked about it on the pod extra a few times. I'm sort of quite intrigued to see how that plays out or whether Eze is just seen as a sort of front three player in which we would have, you know, some good competition. And certainly, you know, what what I, I'm, I'm very... Um, where the squad... I, I give a lot of thought to the squad and balance and so on. And my, my thing is that I want to see this level of player coming off the bench as well for us, as in, you know, your worry is that, you know, if you're playing all of those players in a game... You haven't got then too much on the on the bench to change the game up with, so there will be quite a big drop if you like if you are if you're changing those players. But you know, one more wide player in the squad would probably you know a good one would probably address that because you want to be in a game, you know, any situation at Premier League level where you've got three forward players on the bench that you think a striker or wide players that could come on and change the picture because usually, you know, defenders and goalkeepers aren't removed unless they're injured typically in games or there's some tactical tweak late on where you might take a fullback off and play with one of your wide players as a wing back or something like that. But typically, you know, it's your wide players and strikers that that change the course of games, and sometimes a, a creating midfield player. But I, I think that I can see them all playing together. And Patrick Vieira has been pretty brave, but I can also understand Pete's um, argument about is that too much, and might we be a bit flimsy defensively as a result? Well. I guess we'll only find out if we ever do it or whether Patrick Vieira and co deem us um, ready or able to do that. But uh, it'd certainly be, I think if you have Eze, Wilfred, Elise, those players on the pitch, I think you're going to have an exciting Crystal Palace team, that's for sure. And, you know, it's great having had quite a long period, as I said earlier, without any real investment in the team, you know, that we, we're we now seeing players that excite us and give us, a, you know, a good feeling and a good future and some assets on the balance sheet as well. So, um, you know, which always, of course, if you opt to sell anyone at any time, does give you a chance to, to rejig and rebuild things as well, which, you know, quite honestly, with the previous squad, Aside of Wilfred and Eberechi, is there? There weren't too many players that would have Premier League clubs throwing him any money at you for. To be honest, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts, Dom? Do you do you think that that is something that we'll see that, that we'll see some a lot more attacking flair? Do, I, to me, I think the likelihood is that that if we end up seeing Eze coming into the same team as the rest of the players, it would be for MacArthur with MacArthur kind of taking uh, MacArthur's role in the side being taken by Gallagher a little bit more. Is that something that you would, would imagine to happen, Dom? Question really. I, I, it's nice to have those options, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I mean, I am intrigued at how they fit them all in and, largely because I think Elisa is a bit of a mystery to all of us. We don't really know quite what he's going to be yet. Um, we've heard all the, the rave reviews 
um, from his time at Reading. And uh, on the, the other suitors that are out there in the summer were desperate to get him in, feel he's got an awful lot of potential. But, but we don't... And until we actually see him for a prolonged period of time, we don't we don't really know where he fits easiest into the into the team. Um, I like the idea of Eze bursting from from deep in that sort of left side of the three in midfield, but I but I do have a few concerns as to whether that would leave us too exposed in a lot of lot of games. And you only have to see the level in a lot, most of the Premier League games and the opponents we're coming up against. If you're over committing in that in that midfield three. Uh, with attacking bodies who aren't maybe so so keen or, or, or find the defensive side of the game quite so naturally, um, then you're in trouble. Uh, but th- there will be occasions where, I mean, God, I, I pick that team against Norwich every day of the week. That's just at the moment, they look so vulnerable. And there are a few others, Watford as well. We've, we've seen even this season in the in the league cup tie you know we we create chances we will create chances against them and their system and and i i'd, I'd fancy them to make hay um against that watford team um and then and it's then it's just a matter of picking and choosing i mean it's just it's just so nice to have the options it's just I think nice Roy did it Dom, didn't he did we when we played leicester from memory i think as they played on the left side of midfield that night the game we got beat which we probably yeah. should have got a result out of, and we didn't in the end. But uh, I think he played left side of a three that night, didn't he? Um, it's, it's it's more that if you're in that first choice team, and we we don't know whether Elise is going to be tracking back and and helping out in the yeah. way that Jordan Ayew does. I just wonder if if you if if he doesn't do that, and you've got a front three that aren't. I mean, even when you take Benteke out, you're losing so much defending your set of plays at the other end. You've got Edouard. You've got You've got Wilfred, you've got um, Elise and potentially Eze. That's that's putting an awful lot of onus on Luca or Chekouatkiate and and Conor Gallagher. I mean, we know Conor Gallagher. He he basically plays like he's two players. I mean, he's he's the energy that he's got, but it might be asking a bit too much of him. Um, but you know, we can build up to that. It's it's hopefully we get it gets to a point where Elise his performances make him undroppable. Hopefully he's influencing games that way. You'd certainly in the situation yesterday with 20 minutes to go and you're one nil behind, you would have loved to have had Eze, Elise and Wilfred on the pitch having a go for 20 minutes to try and turn the game around for you yesterday, wouldn't you? It was interesting with with uh, Elise that he came on for, was it Gallagher that he came on for, I think, in the last 10 minutes or so? The, you know, are you, really? It was uh, no, I don't think it no, was. No, I stayed I, on. I was on the oh, pitch. Sorry, yeah. yeah, no, are you came dropped back inside. Yeah, he, yeah. Did, he came yeah. on for Kiarte. Kiarte, you're right. So Jairo kind yeah. of dropped into that defensive midfield role, and then you had the others. Interesting. Um, James Dutch James asks. Uh, he he basically asked think, a similar sorry, question. Rob, I think yep. we went from memory. That's right because I was we were talking about it. The because young Cassius asked me what he's done that for, and I said I think we're going to play. Four two three one for the last five minutes or whatever, mm. where he Gallagher sat in alongside Gyro, and then he played Jordan, uh, Elise, Wilfred, and Edward up top. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, Dutch James. He just he he kind of asked the similar question, but he says, "Who plays the holding role? Is it Luca Chiate or maybe uh, Will Hughes?" To me, I think it's difficult because I th- I actually think Chiate 
in the last two games has actually done really well in terms of his passing. I think uh, against Tottenham, he got something like his his accuracy was something like ninety eight percent, which is pretty damn good. You know, it wasn't. It's almost like he's kind of developed into that role a little bit. I do see Luca being someone that is more likely to 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 feature. What are your thoughts on that one, Adam? I think Luca would be my favourite at this moment, but. I think when we talk about this, this is all going to change week to week to week yeah. based yeah. on what we're seeing. So I don't think you'll ever... But I think of Luca Gyro uh, check to do that, I think Luca will pass forwards more than the other two, essentially. That it's would also be... the, the switching of the wings, you know, the yes. ability to pass the ball at distance to feed. Yeah. And, and that's something that he did against Tottenham, which then built yeah. up the Luca's goal. got a bigger range, for sure. And... Gyro is very neat in possession. He doesn't give the ball away very much, but he's also not massively adventurous in his range of passing either. A lot, a lot is square and backwards, which means that you aren't going to give the ball away too often, hopefully, in those situations. Same with Czech. But I, I think Luca's probably got a better range and Will Hughes, obviously, that's an interesting one. But I don't see him playing in front of the back four because that will make us a bit flimsy. But I'm not, again, until I've seen him, seen him, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve the right to change my mind. But I think uh, I think he's more likely to play as one of the two other midfield players if he gets into the side. But in all honesty... I'm not sure, especially if we have Eze back, MacArthur, Gallagher, that he's going to find it very easy to to force his way in. But again, that all depends on when his chance comes or his moment comes. If he excels in whatever role he's uh, he's given, that might change the picture again quite quite dramatically. But my my guess at the moment is I think he might find it quite hard to find find a way into the into the first 11 right now. We've got a question from Louis Walsh and from uh, Mihai Petrescu and they both they both ask about Tyrek Mitchell. Mihai Petrescu says who is your your palace man in the match and why was it uh Tyrek Mitchell? Louis Walsh <laughs> says has has Tyrek Mitchell proved with that performance today he can hold his own against the big teams and he's the answer going forward uh at left back now. We we discussed it in the first half but Mitchell is is starting to make that left back position his. I mean it's not like he's got any competition at the moment to, to to take it from him but there's a there's an element of relief there that that his performances have gradually improved and as you said Adam he's he's kind of reflected the improvement in the squad hasn't he yeah I, I, I'm comfortable I would sooner have another left back I have to say you know not necessarily to play in front of him but so we've got good competition but Jeffrey Schlapp could play there and could end up playing there as well you know, Ferguson could play on that side if needed, Klein and Wardy in an emergency. But the thing is, I think if you put Klein or Wardy on the left side in an emergency, that may detract from the the team's ability to to provide, you know, natural width and to get a fullback further up the pitch that can do what Tyrick's done in the last few games. So yeah, very pleased with him. I think I think it's important that uh, I said this the other day, I think to you when we were last together, that you n- nobody has an absolute, 
nobody's transfixed by this is our best team and all that sort of stuff because that can change week to week on form and 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 and, and all that sort of stuff and the opponent and the and the way that we're playing. I mean, obviously, when we talk about Crystal Palace, we talk about our team and what we do and how we do it. But, you know, obviously the opponent and what they do and how they do it will all will play a big, big part in the manager's thoughts. And, you know, I know I read somewhere the other day, we can't play Ben Teke because he's good at defending set pieces. Well, no, it's not the only reason he should be picked, but it is actually a very, very important reason that, that he's picked. Because as we've seen yesterday, we've gone and matched one of the best teams or most elite of world football, but we've lost because we didn't defend set plays properly. 50% of the goals in the game come from set plays and it's critical. You know, even with the first goal yesterday, even though MacArthur gets lost and blocked off and he gets around the front and gets the header, even the second ball after the goalkeeper makes a brilliant save, is there's no... Or um, Mane has run off the back of two or three as well and ended up unchallenged, scooping the ball into the net, essentially. So, you know, I think it's something that we'll we'll have to take care of. But, you know, when we were talking about Gyro earlier, something I wanted to say to you is we had a player very similar to Gyro that played in Palace's youth team when I was with Gary at the level. When I say similar, I'd mean in style rather than level, let's say. But this bloke is playing in the football league, so I don't want to name him or uh, or or because he was capable. But invariably, every time you concede a, a goal from a set play in an under eighteen or under twenty ones game, as it was then, he would be the culpable party mm. who switched off or did mark. And I think as much as you try and instill these disciplines or or you drill players in this way, it's still a natural thing that someone either says, it's me, it's my battle, I must win it, I've got to deal with it. Because as you see, the quality of the opponent that we we're up against yesterday, even though we've managed to restrict them in, in open play reasonably well, you switch off for one second, game over, and yeah. that's that's what you got. We've um we've got a question from Mark Silverst- uh, Silverstein, and he raises the spectre of Alan Pardew. He says, "Was that a Pardew performance yesterday?" And he says, "Before anyone has a go at me, I think the is doing a great job, and I really hope we have uh, much better days going forward." Uh, he says, it's, "It was nice football, but undone consistently by set pieces. Well, have I seen this before?" I, I kind of understand that it is concerning if if that was a I think the big thing would be if that was a kind of uh, a habitual issue where the switching off at set pieces you know where every goal we conceded this season was from set pieces being being you know from switching off at set pieces that hasn't really happened so it is something that we can fix guy w he asks uh, he basically says that set piece defending has to be the priority for the next two weeks of training especially with the double sessions that the viera's doing how do you fix something like that adam how do you fix defensive switching well, off i was going to say to you you can talk about who the manager is or the coach or whatever as much as you like but ultimately 
you give players a marketing job to do, for instance, and a role, and you need them to fulfil it. And in all honesty, set pieces, set set pieces, set pieces. I put my teeth back in. Are a great leveller because mm. even if you're playing against the crown and scepter, you know they've got a bloke who's six foot six at centre half, and someone sticks the ball in the right area, he's got a chance of getting there first and scoring, even against an opponent that's far superior to him technically, if you like. So mm. set pieces are are you know, a real level. And when you see teams get undone by lower division teams in cup ties, it's often those situations that 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 do it. But we're going to say to you, Tony Pulis drilled us so well that I think we only conceded one goal from a set piece. And that was a corner at home to Liverpool in the Chris Dan Ball game. Joe where Allen. Joe Allen, of all mm. people... He's about five foot five with his heels on. Uh, ended up with a free header and scoring from six yards. So even as good as Tony Pulis was at drilling the team and getting people to do what he wanted with his what I would describe as band of old school professionals, you know, the the leaders of Delaney and Jedinak and so on, is still going to happen from time to time because someone switches off or the opponent does something clever. But really, it's down to the what I was going to say to you in summary is really down to the individual to know. As you said with James McCarthy, you saw him put his hands on the back of his head just towards as the ball fell because he knew what had happened and he knew it was on him straight away. Mm. And it's not something you'd usually associate with James McCarthy quite often. It isn't. And he'd probably be the, the, the least culpable party generally. It was the two shortest players on the pitch, I think, that scored. In fact, probably the three shortest players, because Naby Cater's quite a short, yeah. short kind of guy as well. So the three shortest players on the pitch scored all the goals. Um, the the final question that we'll, we'll, we'll pose is from Guy W again, and he asks, shouldn't we cancel Mateta's loan uh, as soon as possible so we can loan in a decent fullback cover or a starter third striker option? Um, Mateta wasn't on the bench again yesterday, From if I if I recall. So what, what are your thoughts, Dom? Do you, do you think that that is a, a situation where we're, we're just going to move him on, cancel it now and send him back and give him a chance to get back to playing at Mainz? Well, on practical level, nothing can happen now until January anyway. So I'm presuming yeah. we're talking about January. I, I think they did give consideration to, to cancelling it this summer. Um, there was, as far as I know, there was a window of opportunity there, but it, you know, we are only a, a Benteke hamstring strain or, or, you know, Edward not hitting the ground running, um, from looking short and relying upon Jordan Ayew as our central striker. So for all Mateta's faults, when they didn't have, when they didn't bring in that extra, extra forward, from Roma, I think that would have allowed them to do it, Dom. Right? Yeah, if they'd done that, then then fine. Then there would have been enough forwards at the club to cope without him. But but Borja wasn't wasn't going to be an option ultimately because Roma didn't want to lose him. So so keeping him around, keeping Mateta around, made sense. Um, it's I, I presume that Mateta travelled to Liverpool. I mean, he wasn't on the bench, but. I think that's a, that's a healthy situation if you've got a 
a player that oh, we don't want our entire squad to be 18 people or 20 people or whatever it is. I mean, we have nine on the bench now, can't we? So it's, it's 20. We've, we've got, they're going to be a couple of senior pros that aren't involved. That That's the reality of it. Um, we have everybody's fit. So Mateta at the moment is out of favour. Um, he hasn't, he didn't justify being involved with his performance against Watford in the in the League Cup. That was his opportunity to show that he should have had greater involvement. He didn't take it. That is, it's a brutal game sometimes. You, you, you get on. They'll look at it in January, but I don't know whether there's a window in January in the agreement they originally signed with Mainz for, for that deal to be cancelled in, in, in January. And then you have to look at the financial implications to Palace if they did something that wasn't written into the contract. I mean, again, it would be, that is confidential information. I, I don't know what, what the situation is with that contract. Um, I, I find it, I suspect that there will be another window of opportunity to cancel the loan next summer before it's made permanent. So I wouldn't assume that by him still being at this club, that he eventually becomes a Crystal Palace player on a permanent basis. It is interesting. Daryl DKN, Jem Philippe Mateta out in January. Yeah, Maybe that, that might be it. It is interesting because I think um, uh, Fußball Eck, which is a, a German website, they they quoted the director of sport at uh, Mainz saying that if the situation does not improve at all by winter, then we'll have to talk to Crystal Palace about what uh, whether there are options. Announced the sports director. It says here. Um, so basically, I think they're aware that, that it's not in it's not in my in Mateta's interest to be spending the entire winter kind of spell or the you know the next three months on the subs bench or not even involved so it is going to be interesting to see what happens there but well, um, Daryl DK who's a player that we've we've looked at we looked at strongly this this summer um and and retain an interest in Orlando City but Daryl Daryl DK as far as I know the, the the original hope was to bring you in for very little money very little money and now the asking price appears to have gone up considerably so that may not be an easy deal, deal to to strike in, in January either. But but that said, he's not, clearly I'm, a player that we like. I'm not sure he's the answer, Dom. From what I saw at Barnsley last year, he looked very hit and miss and quite scruffy at times. And uh, so I'm, I don't know. But um, yeah, that that's one that appears to uh, always be sort of bubbling under. But as I said earlier, I wouldn't be too worried. If Jordan Ayew became your third striker, and that uh, and that you brought in a wide player, if, as long as Edward and Benteke are in reasonable form between now and then, in all honesty, if I, neither of them are hitting the back of the net regularly, I think come January we'll be perhaps moving Mateta out and looking for somebody else who's going to come and usurp the other two and put their 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 claims forward and be at the front of the queue, you know. Right, we're going to take a break again. We're going to uh, come back in part three and very briefly talk about the Brighton game on Monday next week. Join us in part three. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. Ronald Reagan famously once said, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Americans are losing faith in the banking system, and at the same time, the U.S. government could soon be headed toward a centralized banking system. How scary is that? How do you protect yourself as the government gets more involved in your life? 
For me, owning gold is one way. Having gold that I can see and touch makes me feel protected. Having a portion of your retirement in precious metals is another way to feel protected. I don't own crypto, I don't own NFTs, and I don't buy meme stocks. I don't invest in things I don't understand. If you are like me and want to feel safe, it's time to call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. Again, that's www.oxfordgoldgroup.com. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to part three of the five-year plan podcast. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a preview of the Brighton game. Um, it's going to be a, be an interesting one, isn't it, Adam? It's it's It feels like one of those games where I wouldn't say it's a must win, but it's Brighton, so we really do want to win it. Um, and winning it would, would kind of really help to cement the progress that we've made. Is, is that your view as well? Well, I said to you earlier that if we win, it's two wins, two draws, two defeats for the first six, and it doesn't look a bad start. You know, that's that's mid-table obscurity form, and uh, we'd probably be happy with that come the end of the season, as especially as a, a work in progress. Um, but it'd be a difficult game. Excellent manager. Again, be interesting to see. I'm going to be fascinated to see how our approach is going to work against a team that was very, very capable in possession against us last year. And we ended up getting the rub in both games in order to secure four of the six points, which, you know, let's be honest, we were comprehensively outdone by our opponent in both the games, albeit in the second game, we were there with a, quite a weak team from memory with several players missing. So I think we didn't have Wilfred, did we, at the Amex no. for the victory and several others. So I don't think we were ever likely with the squad at our disposal to go there and uh, and play them off the park. And obviously we've had a couple of uh, positive results at the Amex on our last two visits. But at Selhurst, it's been... Uh, two draws, hasn't it, the previous two occasions, Mope, and then last year it was the late equaliser after our Zaha penalty. So I think it's going to be a very tight game, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it, actually, because I think it'll be a, a very good game of football, actually, all round because of our approach. But um, when you get these games, they tend to either end up goalless with both teams cancelling each other out or it is an absolute goal fest and it could be, you know, 3-3 <laughs> or something like that. So yeah, um, yeah. so we're not... Yeah, I mean, I, I like Graham Potter as a manager. I think he's excellent and I think it will be a very, very difficult and dangerous opponent. But again, with our squad strength and the players we can call upon now, 
as we've said a few times, we should be a match for anybody in this league. And, uh, you know, we're competitive against the very big boys. So the rest we should go into with, with hope. I mean, the best thing I can say to you about the current situation is, you know, I went to the game yesterday thinking this is not impossible for us to go there and get something out of this game. You know, it'd be difficult. It's a tough <laughs> opponent, but you know you've got players that can cause problems now for the opposition. And having that those those seven new players at our disposal, um, and thinking about our squad and the change overall. Only Andros Townsend and Wayne Hennessy have ended up signing for Premier League clubs, haven't they, of all the people that we released? And again, Andros, you know, who I would say to you, you know, he's done well so far with Everton, but I think his salary would have been Michael Elise's and Everett combined. So I think you can probably still argue that you know, there's a case for and against. Um, Brighton obviously haven't had that level of overhaul that we have, but they've got some very good players and some of their recruitment has been very good in recent years. Um, Lamptey, who's been injured, obviously looks a real find and uh, Basuma and people like that, a good level. So think it'll be a very competitive game with two very, very well-matched teams, I think. It should be good. Don what are your thoughts? Do you think that do you do you think we'll see these changes? I mean, I, I can't see Vieira making three changes to the to the starting lineup, but do you think he's gonna do you think we'll see Elise maybe and Edouard coming into the side? I I I suspect that we'll see Edouard because I think he might look at the the Brighton back line and on the assumption that Shane Duffy and uh, Lewis Dunk definitely play. I see they're playing Joel Veltman as their third centre half against Leicester, but but that's the land of the Giants. And I'm not sure for all for all Benteke how, how how strong he is in the air, I'm not sure you want to get drawn into that kind of battle necessarily. Mm. I wonder whether Edward sort of flitting around them with 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 Zaha and Elise or are you in support um, would cause them more problems. Um, but yeah, and I agree with you. I think three probably is too many changes. Um, so he might well be tempted to keep a, a Kiyate in midfield. As you say, Chick has, has raised his game. Then you've got the option of being slightly more progressive with, with, with Luca or indeed Will Hughes or whatever playing, uh, coming on as a substitute if required. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it works and I'm, I'm intrigued to see how we cope with a different kind of, of threat. You know, Liverpool's front three were, um, were, were fluent and fluid uh, and, and caused us trouble aside from set pieces, but we heaved and we contained them. We, we, we managed to keep them out. Brighton is, Brighton is different because I think when you've got Trossard, you might have McAllister in there, Lalana. They're sort of they're they're fluid from deeper in the pitch, almost from deeper in the on the field, and so it actually becomes more of an issue for for Conor Gallagher and James MacArthur to to try and check them at source, and we we simply cannot allow them to to dictate the, the tempo and play as they have done on their last two visits to Sellers Park. I mean, yeah. we we can't even in that that first half and the one all draw. Um, 
the season before last when Wolf saved it late on with that with that great goal at the near post. They they could have been three or four up at half time. I mean, it was it was excruciating to watch. So I, I don't think Vieira will put up with that. I, I I think he's got players that that can muscle in between them, disrupt them, but also can create themselves and and do good things when in possession with the ball. So yeah, it's but it is a test. It's a proper. It, it's it's a different kind of threat, and it's a it's a a threat posed by a team that will finish. Fingers crossed around us and we've just got to hope that um yeah that we we take our opportunity and we and we impose ourselves and maintain this unbeaten start at sellers do you two think that it will be a sort of blood and thunder derby or a bit more uh, i think it will help that it's a monday night a monday night uh, type occasion given the players on show for both teams and the styles I, I think when you have a have a game that features Wilfred Zaha on one side and Lewis Dunk on the other side and Palace Brighton on a Monday night, Monday evening, I think it will be, I think it will be it will be as blood as thun and blood and thunder as it as it can be. I don't think it will be the. Do you remember that the three two in the in Brighton's first season up, which was absolutely yeah. mad game of football. I mean, and, yeah. and again in that second half they played us off the park and they could easily have equalised. Um, but it was it was the, the rat attack of chances in that first half in particular was was stunning and 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 great fun. I don't, I'm not sure it will be quite that that open, but I, I just think it will be given that the occasion and given that you know the games behind closed doors last year, the first night game at Sellers Park with fans back in since you know early 2020. I think it's going to be magnificent and um, i think that will lend itself to a more frantic a frantic occasion on the pitch as well um and it will be a matter of yeah which team can can impose some kind of dominance within that frenzied atmosphere it's it that's genuinely made me excited about the game coming up so uh, it's, it's going to be nil, 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 not a shot on target should be a really good game i think it should be. Um, excuse me. Sorry, that was my Apple Watch trying to tell me that it couldn't understand. You'll never know Apple Watch. This is why you can never be a Palace fan because you won't understand what the what the rivalry is like. Um, we're gonna we're gonna call the the, the pod to a close here. Um, it, it's been a real pleasure, Dom and Adam. Um, I hope that our listeners have enjoyed this. If you have enjoyed this, consider signing up to our patron and and getting the the pod extra. It is something that we do after every game, typically right after the match, but on some occasions like this one um, in the aftermath. Um, if you hope- if you haven't if you haven't, by the way. I look forward to my brother calling me and laughing down the phone at your latest comments. <laughs> yes, Adam, I think I think this time people will hear the balance from what you've said rather no. than rather than just the, picking the, out the, the negatives. More and relentless feedback. I like those two this week. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call it quits there. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, as I say, if you do enjoy this sign up on the patron uh, this happens every week after the match uh, and we'll look forward to discussing the Brighton game after the game on Monday next week bye bye
¿No se merece tu familia lo mejor? Entonces, ¿por qué no los mejores huevos? Ahora, Egglands Best están disponibles en deliciosas opciones. Huevos clásicos de gallina libre de jaula y orgánicos de Egglands, que ofrecen un sabor más delicioso y fresco de granja que le encantará a tu familia. En comparación con los huevos ordinarios, Egglands Best contiene la mejor nutrición como 6 veces más vitamina D, 10 veces más vitamina E y el doble de omega 3 y B12. Solo Egglands Best. Mejor sabor, mejor nutrición, mejores huevos. Visita egglandsbest.com para más información. Sports Social Podcast Network.